0: P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club
1: related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me.
0: Iggy Pop! Amen! Let <laughs> it write! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy. Let's have some fun. Fun, fun. Tommy, That's no, a thing. she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've
2: spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: always home. I'm on cool. This is a process of dehypnotization.
3: <laughs>
2: shut! Shut!
3: Shut! Shut! Shut up!
0: Hey, Hoff fans, welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Zimmer Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez.
3: And I'm Kyle Reinfried.
0: We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. And one of the last times I got to do that, so a little, little bittersweet. I know. But. How
3: did we get here?
0: Well, I mean, there's a audioly documented,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, <laughs> path to yeah. how we
0: got here by watching every feature Philip Seymour film. Unfortunately, we did not get to watch every short film and every little thing he was in. We tried our best. We did miss one that stupid culture thing. Remember that? Yeah, that Oscar yeah. short. We still haven't found it. It eluded so, us. So. If you guys want to hear from us again, which I doubt you do, but if you guys want to hear from P.S. <laughs> I Love Hoffman again, find that, and we promise that we will come back to review Culture.
3: Yeah, I want to watch it. I want to watch – we're going to talk about a couple of small things he participated in, what, you know, what we dub Act 3 of his career today, and there's even something else that I – hope someday we'll get to see him and we'll talk about that later in the episode. Oh,
0: for sure. Um, if you guys are not familiar with the show, and for some weird reason this is your first episode...
3: Welcome?
0: Yeah, welcome. <laughs> but So we we split up Philip Zimmer Hoffman's career into thirds, and yeah. after our Act One, which was... Boogie Nights. Yeah, from uh, Triple Boogie and a Par 5 Hole's his first film, to Boogie Nights. yeah. His second was... Montana to Capote. Montana to Capote, yeah. That had some good ones. That was a nice period. And then... This one started with what?
3: Mission Impossible. Mission 3. Impossible
0: 3. Wow. Wow. I feel like this one was long even though they were all around the same, but Yeah. Yeah, this I mean, there was life. So much of life has happened in this in this year plus. Yeah. So, so I mean, it was an amazing journey.
3: I've lived in three different places.
0: Very true. <laughs> Very true. All in New Jersey.
3: All in New Jersey, yeah.
0: But but we've, you know, done some amazing that things.
3: 201
0: <laughs> We've seen some amazing films, too. Yeah. Um, And this act, like you said, from Mission Impossible 3 till now, this was his closing act. This was him as an established star seeing what he did with it.
3: I guess now knowing he was even that much more of a lover of theater than film, I mean, we're covering his film career, but... The man loved theater. Maybe I guess maybe we should have just broken into two acts. No, but I, I, three acts since we're covering three act plays. three huh, act plays. Okay.
0: There are five act plays or one act plays.
3: Oh yeah, I guess I should have known that from uh, the special episode we did with uh, our actor friend John Harden.
0: John Harden, yeah.
3: Yeah, he's, a, he's our Shakespeare... Our Robert, Shakespeare expert and Robert a legend Tanner.
0: a legend in, <laughs> in his own right. We haven't uh, dropped uh, name-dropped John Harden in a while, so I feel like it's too... I feel
3: like we haven't screwed up in a while, so he hasn't had to correct us in a while.
0: I hope, or he just doesn't But
3: it anymore. always means a lot, John, if you, if you are listening, which uh, even just the other day, you, you made some kind of comment about an episode that, and it was that day that you listened to it, that was released. So I just want to say, you know, thank you.
0: You're- and thank all our Hoff fans. If yes. you've made it this far, I, I applaud you. Yeah. I salute you. Um, but today we're going to get into some some of that other work. But first, we, we thought... So we kind of, in the last two Hunger Games, and if you stayed with us throughout the Hunger Games, and thank you again for that, that... that it was fun, but it was also a little challenging because none of the movies we ever did were anything like The Hunger
3: Games. Yeah, I mean, no, not, not, nothing. I mean, he's only done really besides that like two other blockbustery movies, but just the whole—I mean, the fact that he wasn't really a lead, and then just—I the, mean, just the given this like dystopian future,
0: and it, yeah, and unfortunately with his untimely death, um, I guess fortunately for us because there's clips of this, but. A lot of people had comments after the Hunger Games thing, and we went over that last week. So that's something we're going to discuss today. There's also two projects of his. Like, uh, one is an episode of Arthur.
3: Yeah, both are two like children. <laughs>
0: yeah, one's a children's poetry thing that that we watch, and it's interesting because it's like it, it shows Hoffman the family man. Yeah, and then we'll talk about Cosmo you alluded to an unproduced pilot of his, which became a different show.
3: Yes, and also uh, one of my favorite things, uh, pr- very very cool. But it's in the world of the master and something. Oh, that, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, something that PTA did with unused shots and scenes.
0: Yeah, so so we. It's. I'm glad. I'm glad because in this third act, P.T. Anderson has been important in all Philip Seymour acts. Yes. So I, I, I'm glad we got that as well.
3: We also might have a surprise visit from a Cage Club uh, founder or two.
0: Possibly, we'll see about we'll that. See. Speaking of visitors, on these act recaps, we usually, you know, have a couple of our favorites come on mm-hmm. and discuss some of these things. But we're going to really save that for our live event, the live event which we announced on last week's episode and our Facebook that we're super excited about.
3: Yeah, it's on Saturday, April twenty-first. Uh, arrive at two p.m. in Bushwick. It's the place is called. Golden Sounds? Gold Sounds. Gold Sounds.
0: <laughs> Gold Sounds. Golden Sounds. I mean, Gold Sounds. Gold, sounds in, Gold Bro- sounds in Bushwick, Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn. Of those of you not familiar with the uh, neighborhoods of Brooklyn, just look up Gold Sounds in Brooklyn. Um, we'll be there. We want to see you out there. We're going to do our live kind of last. A tribute to Phil. But we'll get more into that at the end of the episode. Something we are going to do, though, at the uh, live event... Is announce our Hoffee Awards?
3: Yes, the uh, once once go around of the Hoffee Awards. <laughs> yeah, the
0: only the only time that they'll ever be. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that's the only time they'll ever be given out. And if you guys have been checking your Facebook page, it's up there. Go onto our Facebook page and vote for the Hoffee Awards. Please, please, please. We want your feedback. We want you to show up at the event. But if you can't because you live in another part of the country or whatever, you can make an impact by voting in these awards. Yes. Vote. You know what? We're going to give you a second right now. Pause this podcast. Go onto our Facebook page and vote for the Hoffee Awards. We all assume you did it because you listen to everything we say. Yes, so.
3: obey us, <laughs> I don't know. and we'll 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 go. Uh, <laughs> Thank you.
0: We'll do a little bit of a kind of an award thing at the end of this episode as well. But we want to dive into this act three.
3: Yeah, I, and where better to uh, jump into it by? Uh, Kind of talked about it in the last episode, but you know, so Mocking Jay part two, last feature film of Philip Seymour Hoffman's not
0: in it a lot, unfortunately, but he's an important character.
3: No, uh, and Plutarch um, Heavensby, important character and just important on set. And I, uh, you know, his, his peers, his actor, acting brothers, and sisters really recognize that. Who he was, he was close friends with some of them. Some, some of them he had just you know started working with, like Jennifer Lawrence. But uh, they had some reflective and kind words to say about him. So let's let's uh, play this clip for you.
0: He's not a presence that will be replaced, uh, you know, easily in the league of actors.
3: Well, maybe it was you who inspired me to come back.
0: As a person, he's just one of the greatest people I've ever, I've ever known.
3: i mean he's still such a vibrant part of all of our lives in the sense of the family that we built and and the stories that we got to share and um you know the shelf life of what he built in his career is eternal and and that's the most beautiful thing is that we all get to sort of have a taste of that vibrancy i think that'll be his legacy i think he will be a guy that we will remember as one of the most incredible actors to live and somebody that every movie you see him in he creates something he doesn't just put himself into the character he Takes on the character like a chameleon, so I think I'll be remembered for that, and just for being like a really, a really funny, nice guy.
0: Yeah, really, really awesome stuff there. These are the last people who got to share, at least the behind-the-camera work with
3: him. And... Yeah, I mean, we're talking so the last. I mean, I, I, I even forget like now how, how many. I think 54 feature films and. Just thinking all the way back to triple bogey on a par five hole and then he's in one of this ends his career with this big franchise I mean it's not like a franchise that I was in love with like a Star Wars or something but nonetheless just to see this kid in the, like one of the most indie films I've ever seen by a great filmmaker Amos Poe who again we had an amazing special episode with so check that out if you haven't yet but just it, it, you know it's just Kind of humbling and just awesome to think about just that journey.
0: He, he was such a great actor. Obviously, we do the show. You know we, we feel that way. But he worked with so many amazing people. That's why this, this award show or these awards that we're giving out, they, they don't feel too much to me. They don't feel, you know, they feel important because, like, it's about celebrating his career, but celebrating the people he worked with. He was in such great films, some not so great films, but he worked with such great people. Such great people, both behind and in front of the camera,
3: and he's someone that just always gave it his all. And 100%. You know, I think you know, led by example. And
0: yeah, and we can officially say that now, seeing all his uh, at least feature work. Yeah, is that there? There was hardly any moments where I felt like he was mailing it in. Um, look, he had some cameos here and there where you really can't expand with the range. No, that you're gonna but, do, but but this is a guy. And again, Joey. And Manzi have told us that on Keanu that there are some films where it seems like he's just not really like, yeah. all there. And that's not just the Keanu. He's apparently like the greatest guy in the world, right? But it's a rare talent. We lost a rare talent when we lost Philip Sumer-Hoffman. And us watching these films has just reaffirmed that.
3: Definitely. And that's why, I mean... We talk about the feature films, and I mean, we've we've talked uh, like I mean, you could do a whole podcast supposedly on his theater career, but that's a little tough because it's not like they're recorded, and we're also definitely not the voice of the theater. No, not that we're the voice of the film world, but but nonetheless, uh, but that's why in these episodes we like to talk about these little things he's done throughout. Again, what you know, what we dub his uh, the acts of yeah, act
0: one. There were more of them. Or Act 2, there were more of them. Like, there's only a couple here. Yeah. But it's still worth it. It's still worth mentioning it. Pretty much, if we can see it, we watch it.
3: And like we said, there's this uh, episode of Arthur. and it's Arthur. Pretty... <laughs> Will you sing
0: the theme song to Arthur?
3: Well, I say... I don't... I, uh, <laughs> what? Well, how do you not know I, the theme I, song? Uh, Well, we've got our first special guest, Ziggy Marley. <laughs> <so> <laughs>
0: I here, wish. Here to sing it. So Ziggy Marley sings, th- sings a theme song to Arthur. Yeah. As you mentioned before we were recording... Phil Snerhoffman and Joey Breaker, one of his first films, worked with his sister.
3: Yeah, so there we go, a little connection there. And then, that, so he does. Ziggy Marley does the song for Arthur, but then looking at uh, this other children, uh, you know, like a little thing he did, a child's garden of poetry, and Ziggy Marley like read one of the read one of the poems yeah. as well as the late
0: Carrie Fisher. A bunch of stars in that one. So we have the Arthur episode, and we have this children's. What
3: is it called again exactly? A child's garden of poetry. A
0: child's garden of poetry, and it just shows you like that he he was more conscious of being a father and his kids at this stage in his career. Um, I mean, if you think about it, you see this in a lot of people's work. Like they say, "I don't have kids." Kylie, as far as we know, you don't have kids. Um, once you gain a child, right? Like they say, it changes your life every aspect, or at least it should, right? Yeah. So you start to focus on different kind of things. I doubt Hoffman does these two projects when he's an A-list star if he doesn't have kids of his own.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know who, yeah, who exactly contacted him or whatever, those, but those I mean these PBS are, these bucks, yeah, those, you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> chasing the old PBS dollar.
3: But, uh, we should at least play Let's, what do you think? I'll play the the clip from Arthur
0: Yeah, I actually like this Arthur episode
3: Gritty, but with a hint of ennui
2: Nice work, Francine You'd make a great understudy Next! Good luck (gasps) What did you say? It's bad luck to say good luck to an actor
3: You say break a leg or something in French Oh, bonjour! Next, please!
2: But, Grandma, can't you hear the whistle blowing?
0: Thank you, Miss Crossmire.
2: Actually, it's cross Thank you, Mr. Toffman. I'm a huge fan! What's this? My headshots, some postcards, a DVD of my most dramatic work, oh, and chocolates! Ah, we have one more! Oh, I'm not auditioning. What a pity!
0: You look perfect for the role! Thin, round-shouldered, a certain hunger in the eyes.
3: Actually, I just had a frozen yogurt.
0: <laughs> and a wit to boot. What did you say your name was? Fern. Fern. Beautiful name. Well, Fern, are you sure you don't want to climb the boards
3: and give it a shot?
2: Well, okay.
3: William Fillmore Toffman. Come (laughs) on. So he's clearly,
0: yeah, he's clearly a caricature of himself. And you see, like, we watched the episode. It's on YouTube. It's just his love for theater...
3: Yeah, uh, I, I, well, and I love that, like the you know, we played you the clip of just like him speaking. But before that, it's like the character of Muffy is really excited. <laughs> oh, to that be, Muffy! Yeah, love like loves uh, William Fillmore Toffman I love that she goes, "Oh, you know, he's the star of True East, which True West was uh, one one of the famous plays. I think it was directed by Sam Shepard, and I, th- I think he was even nominated for a Tony for that
0: role. Yeah, yeah. And what's the other one? Um Jimmy takes the C train which is Jesus takes the A train you know it, it's it's funny but i i think it's like amazing that it's they clearly wrote this character for him. I mean, that's yes. obvious.
3: <laughs> Even he, like, I, what animal? Like those animals are always. He's a bear. I looked it he's
0: up. He's supposed to be a bear. Yeah, he's a bear. He's an animated bear. Maybe we'll post that on our Facebook page. Yeah. William Fillmore Taft.
3: I would totally like. get that on a T-shirt.
0: <laughs> this is only, as far as we know, and not counting the Child's Book of Poetry, whatever. But it's only the second time he did a voice work for an animated character. Yeah, the other you know, one being Marion uh, Max. Marion Max. Um, no, but it's a great little episode, especially if, like, you're a child. Or... We
3: get a Philip Hoffman laugh, <laughs> and then we get him saying, gritty, with a hint of ennui. <laughs> Come
0: on! Yeah, yeah, so he's a director of a local, well, he's, like, a famous theater director who returns to Elwood City, Arthur's hometown, his hometown, apparently, I too, to, uh, to direct a play... Seems like like local people are in it for some reason, yeah, and one the- of the girls, Fern, gets a role in it. And he, it's it's funny because it's like a parody. But Muffy
3: wanted it. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's it's a parody of acting itself. Like she gets it for being a natural, and then she ends up overacting. And and Mr. Toffman gives a bunch of good good sound acting advice, and everything's good in the end. Yeah. Arthur is not featured a lot in this Arthur episode. So you Arthur fans out there who also are PSL of Hoffman fans, you might be disappointed by that. But. Well, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as we're older, like, I might have seen this episode as a kid. Like, not Arthur, but like whatever show we were watching. And never, like, processed the Toffman thing, you know? It's, it, But you always heard, like, how they put, like, adult things in... And kids stuff, and I don't mean adult like X rated. Uh,
3: yeah, like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I mean like no, just like little fun Easter eggs.
0: Yeah, like this is probably an Arthur episode we'd enjoy more than I go out on a limb and say almost every, every other, other, <laughs> other <laughs> Arthur yeah. episode. But you know, Arthur is an award winning show, great show, and it's cool. Any any extra Philip Seymour Hoffman material this time, we like.
3: I just love that we talk about his films. This was a bit of, I mean, this is a TV thing, but it's clearly his love of theater. But then, obviously, an over-eccentric version of theater.
0: I'm sure that they're like, oh, let's get Philip Seymour Hoffman, or or however that went down. I'm sure that he... Had, they're like, oh, what, how would you like your character to be yeah. featured as? This is some ideas we have. It's like, oh, I love theater. Let's do that. I mean, even even the voice he does in this is almost like a parody of his uh-huh. own voice. Yeah, yeah. It's, like,
3: <laughs> it's like a very extreme brant from The Big Lebowski. <laughs> That's definitely
0: fair. So this other thing, the child's garden of poetry. Yes. We weren't able to get his part. Um, it seems to be out of print.
3: Yeah, we, listened,
0: we heard a few. Yeah, we heard a few on YouTube. Apparently it was something that was made for HBO. They're really beautiful animation and things to like put your kid to sleep to, essentially. But we didn't hear his exact poem, so we can't really comment on that. But I think, look, it, it's just...
3: He had a soothing voice.
0: Yeah, he had a soothing voice. And um, there, we saw there's like a sequel one on HBO to this, but couldn't find that one. But I mean, I think we get the point of yeah. what it is. You know, he just reading a poem, and it's nice. Again, another thing for, like, children, and probably something that was easy to do as well.
3: And an HBO, going back, an HBO collaboration because of Empire Falls. Oh, was yeah, a, yeah. An HBO, you know, thing for him.
0: For sure. I know I know. the next thing we want to talk about is something that you hold near and dear to your heart, <sighs> and when we go over the nominations list later... Oh, it's going to be so awards.
3: skewed. <laughs> there's so many, there's
0: so many, and Kyle's... Not that I dislike The Master or anything like that, I think The Master's great, but... But there's so many master stuff. And luckily. Rightfully we, yeah.
3: <laughs> so. Rightfully so. Brian. Luckily
0: we were able to get a lot of extras from the Master. And what, what's the Back Beyond, I believe it's called?
3: Yeah, so Back Beyond is a montage of unused scenes and shots from, you know, the 2012 P. T. Anderson film, The Master. And what's really cool is uh, and and this is definitely now a trend that's happening more and more that you watch trailers and you go see a movie, and then there's like a shot that is, you know, you're like, oh, that was, you know, a big oh, yeah. you know, moment shot, and they use like an alternate take, or it's not even in the movie. It happens so many times these days. I mean, a big one was uh, Rogue One, but that's also because that movie went through a lot of reshoots, so they use uh, unused footage. But what's awesome is that this isn't just you know, bonus feature on DVDs, outtakes or whatever, you know, like alternate takes, P.T. Anderson decided to edit it all together in a pretty linear fashion, just with a lot of our main characters talking and the great uh, music that Johnny Greenwood uh, composed for the film. And it's just a real cool thing to watch. It's about like, it's like 20 minutes long.
0: Yeah, I always call it a companion piece, you know? Yeah. It doesn't change any aspect of the film.
3: The the only thing that it kind of changes is, or not changes, but adds to it, is that there, and I think I mentioned this on the master Mm -hmm. episode, is that there's, it, it starts getting into a weird sci-fi fantastical place. Like, there's this one shot that I just remember seeing in the trailer of, like, Freddy open. It's like when they go and they dig up the book, Mm -hmm. and then it just cuts to that book being published in, like, the movie, but... And you know, in these other scenes, Freddy is uh, left with the box. And you know, he said this and, was in the trailer. Yeah, and this was in the trailer. the shot, at least. And so Lancaster and you know, obviously trust. You know, Freddy is his right hand man. And he says, "Watch it with your life." Gives leaves him a revolver or whatever. And but at one point, Freddy just opens up the box, and all of a sudden flames are just shooting out of it. And he just like, kind of closes it back up. What? This is a very like. <laughs> Yeah 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 almost yeah. like the burning bush like you know really I mean we, we know from even though it wasn't supposed to be uh religious like like allegory, but just the frogs falling in uh, magnolia. Mm-hmm. I think you know that. P. T. Anderson just loves some weird visuals and just things to confuse a little sleight of hand, maybe.
0: Oh yeah, and for sure. But yeah, none of this is. This is like classic P. T. Anderson stuff in this thing. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like you said, it's a companion piece. Like it, I guess, like yeah, that maybe that sci fi element changes things a little. But I I saw it as kind of. In the fantasy of Joaquin Phoenix, just like the naked women thing, yeah, you know that was more like he's buying in, so that's what he sees. I don't necessarily believe in the Lancaster Dodd, no religion, so I wasn't like,
3: yeah, and, and I, I just I love that it, it ends with, uh, and I know we played it on that episode, but the outtakes of the the cools, so it's kind of funny. Like he, <laughs> he makes this like almost this little short film back beyond, but then ends it with. Some, I guess, bloopers, whatever you want to call
0: them. Yeah, I guess you just have to, you know?
3: <laughs> but I, uh, one of just one, I wish, I wish I could have seen. I feel like that was just the beginning like of a beautiful on screen relationship between Philip Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. Mm, I feel like they really could have just continued and been something in, people
0: can possibly vote on later. Huh? I mean, they might have been, as Casablanca says, the beginning of a beautiful friendship, Yes. Right? <laughs> Do you want to play a clip?
3: Yeah, let's... Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll play... I'll, I'll, I'll figure out a scene that, like, the dialogue is a little different from, uh, from what, what's used in the film. As a guardian of the good, I can think of no one to guard this more ferociously than you. Thank you. You'll be safe here i prefer it if you stay here in the office. Alright. How are you feeling? Fine. you feeling stomach pain? Yeah. It ringing in the ears? No. Left side of the body.
0: I'm <laughs> alright. Alright, alright. Soldier! I'll see you in the morning.
3: So there you have it. One of my, it's just, it's always, t- I mean, you can never be like, oh, my favorite film. Even, I can't even say, I, I'm so back and forth on whether that's my favorite P.T. Anderson uh, film, you know, P.T. Anderson, Filchner hoffman collaboration, because God knows I love Boogie Nights, but it's just, it, it's just really fun to see like a little side you know, another project. I guess technically this was the last thing then, if it was made. Out. I mean, it was all it was all shot at the same yeah, time. Yeah, all so, shot at the same yeah.
0: time. But you, you, before the clip, you alluded to. I mean, the Joaquin Phoenix, the great dynamic Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman had together, and how you thought that that might have been something that he could have continued. I mean, this is as good a time as any to ask you, where do you think Philip Seymour Hoffman's career would have gone after Hunger Games or? or what would you have liked to have seen from him? I mean, you know, let's, let's play fantasy right now. He was still alive and he got his life together too. I'm not saying, you know,
3: hopefully. I'm not saying this as a perfect segue to the other segment, but I would love to have seen him in like TV and I'm almost thinking when just thinking like Joaquin Phoenix and him, imagine like them doing like a true detective of some sort. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, you know what? Phyllis Seymour fits perfectly in the true detective world. Yeah. Even, like, let's repair True Detective Season 2. If he's that Vince Vaughn character instead, so much better of a series.
3: Yeah, and... I mean, uh,
0: I didn't say series, because the first one was good, but so much better of a season.
3: Yeah, I I mean, there's a new season coming out that I'm looking forward to, which, with uh, Marshala Ali, who is last in The Hunger Games. Yeah, uh,
0: collaborator of Hoffman's.
3: Yes, uh, but, yeah, I I think definitely that. I I mean, obviously, I would have loved to have seen him in... We've now had, uh, what, two other P.T. Anderson movies uh, that have come out, and... Yeah. Did he fit in the world of Inherent Vice? Could you see him in that world? I think so. I think he could have played... I I can't think of a specific character, but yeah,
0: that'd be interesting to to figure out because that was a book, so it wasn't like a new character would have been created for him. But who knows? Even like, even like the Martin Short character, like yeah. it could have been a small thing like that. I love Martin Short, you know. But
3: like, no, no, I, yeah, Martin Short in that role was. Deli- I mean, who who knows? Even maybe, I mean. Owen Wilson's character in some weird way.
0: Owen Wilson, even Josh Brolin's, you know, because like he could take, he oh, could take yeah. it in a different direction.
3: Oh yeah! yeah wow! Right? Yeah! Right? Yeah! I mean, God! I mean, Josh Brolin is a delight, and we have different opinions on the Brolin. Ah,
0: yeah, I'm not a, the biggest Josh Brolin guy.
3: I don't think he's like a genius, but I think he's a really hard working actor. I think he's
0: line. a guy that people. I mean, it's not his fault. I think Hollywood tried to force him down our throat for a little period, and I'm still like. Little sore from that, but
3: yeah, I mean. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, we're, it's, not a, it's <laughs> yeah. not a Brolin podcast. But no, James but just, Brolin. Just see, no, but one of my James <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Streisand. Um, That's Kyle's next podcast. Yeah, the Babs, Babs podcast. <laughs> not only do I call my van Babs, but as uh, my favorite female performer. Uh, no, Not uh, Olivia Newton John. No, cool uh, podcast. Yeah, Olivia <laughs> Newton John. <laughs> Santa, do <laughs> Anyway, uh, no, just thinking of Brolin's characters, like, I think. Bigfoot, whatever his like name mm-hmm. is, and that I love. One of I just I love the moment where he kicks down, Walking Phoenix's door, and then just goes over and takes a handful of pot and just starts eating it. Walking <laughs> Phoenix's face, like his <laughs> eyes are all teary and just like, why would you like just like not verbalizing it, but like why would you be doing this? Like I could just imagine, because Phil Nairhoffen was a physically, you know. And
0: you know what's interesting about all this too, to me,
3: that like he wouldn't have
0: played it the same. But I don't think he would have played any character the same. Philip St. Romerson's not the actor who's going to walk into a role and play it exactly, like, to a T of what's written on screen. He's always going to take a character to a different level. I think of Moneyball with Art Howe, you know? He wasn't like, let me watch Art Howe footage and do this. It wasn't an important character enough. He just acted like he wanted, you know, not how he wanted He wasn't like a jackass, but he read the material and acted how he felt. Um. You know, that, that is a good question, though. Not, like, bragging about my own question. It's an obvious one. <laughs> but, like, what could I have seen him in? Towards the end of his career, it seemed like he was doing a lot of films that had to do with broken systems, even from Gunther Bachman mm-hmm. uh, or Hunger Games. I I wonder if he was more interested in, like... Some political films or political thrillers.
3: Yeah, I think that, and I, I really also would have loved to have seen him in as like in some, you know, he always played a mentor role, but I, it would have been nice to see him eventually take like a like a paternal role,
0: like a like a. Like he's the dad,
3: yeah. Like the dad
0: and like, uh, like a cheaper by the dozen kind of thing.
3: Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, just I mean something dealing with like again whether he would be the star of it or if it's like a uh, we well, you know he didn't mind technically dabbling in the young adult world. So I don't know. Like, I, I would have loved to have seen him act just like in like a core family unit kind of thing.
0: Are there any franchises out now that you could see him fitting into the universe of? Rogue One in Star Wars? <laughs> no, fortunately I don't see him in the role of Star Wars. I would never have seen him in Hunger Games, though. He, If he was in the Star Wars universe, it would be like a Laura Dern kind of role. Yeah. Um. Not that that, you know, I don't think added anything, but... but uh.
3: Yeah, it would have to be some kind of
0: officer of some sort and yeah, not like a foot soldier guy. Like no, the, that's
3: <laughs> not like a Jedi,
0: <laughs> or like the comic relief kind of. Like, I, I can't see that. <laughs> new no, Ali. he could do it. He, we know he maybe could
3: it. would, may- possibly do like a voice for like a CGI. Oh yeah, like, I could see that.
0: That'd be interesting. You know, what's something I, I would have liked to see of him. And I know we didn't give this film the best reviews, but I'd like to see him direct again, like he did in Jacko's Boating, which was in yeah. this this third chapter here. Um, I don't think he did a bad job directing, and I think that he definitely had an eye for this kind of stuff, and he, he's, he's a workman, you know? Like, that's I would love to see another directorial project. I'm really curious to see if he had any in mind. Um, you alluded to it before, but one of the things that was unfinished of his, famously or infamously, is uh, Happy-ish, a show which eventually came out with Steve Coogan.
3: And Katherine Hahn, and Catherine Hahn was on it from the beginning. You know, yeah, and
0: I, I'm a big Katherine Hahn fan. I,
3: it was funny, like, a long time ago. Like, the first thing I think I... If we were doing the Katherine Hahn podcast, the first I thing would. I ever recognized her in was her role in Anchorman, and I really didn't like her in it. Because, <laughs> so like, she's the one that gets, like, Veronica Corningstone to betray Ron. <laughs> so and she just she, the she way, did a good job. Bro. and the, Yeah, but the, the way she goes, like... Anything uh, like, like, <laughs> it was just like ah, uh, and then that was
0: one of her first film roles. I, I she was one of the friends that had to lose a guy in ten days. Yes, a McConaughey. Yeah, uh, romantic comedy. <laughs> but, you know what's funny? Like Wake Up, Ron Burgundy is kind of like back beyond. Oh yeah,
3: it's <laughs> that isn't yeah.
0: But sorry, sorry, continue.
3: Uh, no, so I, this was a one-season show, 11 episodes, or, original title, when, uh, was Pigs and Shit. <laughs> like, you know that wasn't gonna be the title. So it no, got no. So while, uh, Philip Hoffman was still attached, and they shot a pilot, right?
0: Yeah, they shot a pilot, and they were screening it in front of critics, and it was getting very good reviews.
3: So, unfortunately, Showtime has, like, never released it to the public.
0: Kyle mentioned 11 episodes. The Coogan one has 11 episodes. Yes. The pilot just for Hoffman. um, They pretty much have wiped the pilot from existence. There's no photos of it. That's crazy. There's nothing from it. I mean, again, it it was getting good reviews.
3: No, and uh, I think you told me that originally it was a much darker, right? That's what some
0: of the reviews were. What I said before in terms of He's never going to play something like someone else is going to play something. And that's what makes him great. Mm-hmm. Steve Coogan took over and then it became more of a, a lighthearted show, apparently. He he, he was more... Hoffman's is more dark dark comedy. Um, this, the creator, Shalom Auslander, is his name? He uh, stayed on as the creator the entire time. He was an ad executive. The show is about an ad, ad executive. Kind of deals with like, drugs and, and kind of being happy-ish in this modern world. World. Yeah,
3: it's about, I mean, it's about just dealing with, like, antidepressants, and then also just, like, body shame. It, it was just, uh, just another role that, well, whether, I mean, there's a form of addiction, or just talking about worlds where people just feel very, you know, like, belittled, or just, you know, or dealing, the show definitely dealt with shallowness, um, yeah, I mean, even the I haven't seen, I saw like a couple episodes of the
0: Coogan one, because I like Steve Coogan, I know you like Steve oh, we, Coogan. Oh, we love the trip movies. Yes. Um, but he, it's, he's just such a different actor than Philip Seymour Hoffman.
2: Yeah.
1: We
0: would no, have seen that's... something that was so different, and I I think it would have probably been awesome, um, something, I mean, what a, you know, what a change for him, television. You
3: know, yeah, he really didn't have. I mean, besides like his first appearance on Law and Order, and then you had the mini series of
1: Empire yeah, Falls, and that was a mini
0: series. And Showtime, I know, is not like it. Like he wasn't doing like a USA procedural. You know, yeah, <laughs> this is there's a little bit more creative freedom at, at Showtime, but it just would have been like awesome to see. Unfortunately, again, it was at the end of his life, and there are reports on set that he was. Like he had
3: showing that he had, yeah he
0: had uh, addict behavior. Um, apparently, all he was kicking ass. I mean,
3: and he even optioned a book, right? One of the oh, books? oh,
0: from the that's how he knew the creator. Um, okay, he at one point optioned another one of his books to potentially. Uh, direct or be in the film, and that never came to be. Um, maybe it would have. Maybe they would have had a great relationship here. Yeah. It's unfortunate because I echo your sentiment. God, I wish we could see this pilot.
3: Hopefully, someday Showtime wises up and just goes like, "Oh yeah, he was one of our greatest." acting treasures. Maybe on the anniversary of his death. I imagine they didn't want to
0: show it at the time because they wanted the Coogan version to
3: do well. Yeah. Do well and they do want people to be confused. Yeah. or You know, people are dumb. But so. I,
0: I think it's fair like at some point. Like, let us see this. Yeah. You know, let us... Release, it. I mean, release it because it's I, been
3: four. It's been four years already. Maybe again, maybe on the tenth
0: anniversary of his death or something. I, mean, I don't want to wait that long, but
3: no, maybe we should petition him.
0: So, guys at Showtime, if you want another episode of PS, I love. Yeah, Hotline, all our
3: big Showtime listen, <laughs>
0: listeners. Release that, and we will do another episode dedicated just for that.
3: That would uh, be awesome, and we'd love to have you on as a guest. Showtime, anyone from Showtime, anyone yeah. from Showtime, or Showtime as a whole, a custodian we, from Showtime. <laughs>
0: Someone who works in the Showtime building. Yeah. Someone who once was on Showtime. What's your favorite Showtime show? <laughs> Kyle.
3: Oh, it's. Um... I don't know many. Yeah. Uh, shameless. Oh, Shameless. Yeah, Shameless. I like Shameless. Shameless
0: and Happyish. Shameless. <laughs> shameless and Happyish had a similar tone, or had yeah. a similar tone. You know, at least the the one we saw with Steve Coogan.
3: And uh, William H Macy, a uh, you know collaborator from Boogie Nights. So there you go.
0: Boogie Nights and, and Magnolia. And let's see if you Air remember Force this. One. No, another Hoffman film he was in.
3: Oh, um, uh, State a and Maine. He's yeah,
0: director. State and Maine. One of that's one of those sleeper things that doesn't get a nominee for our Hoffy Awards. But you know, I enjoyed that movie, and looking back, I think I enjoyed it more watching other
3: Hoffman work. Yeah.
0: Okay, Kyle. It's that time. Act three. Started at Mission Impossible 3. Hmm. Ended at Hunger Didn't think Games... think about that. Act
3: 3 started with Mission Impossible 3.
0: Ended at his third Hunger Games film. Oh. The third part, but fourth in the series, of part two.
3: Oh, Boy, this is getting into number territories <laughs> that, uh, that Mike Manzi would uh, appreciate. was there like a Jim Carrey number movie? Yeah, say. number 23? Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Babe number three, Great Bambino... <laughs> Actually, Philip Seymour Hoffman could have possibly played Babe Ruth in a movie, I feel like. I could see that. I could see that. Anyway.
0: Sports guy. Yeah. Um, So yeah, Hunger Games. I'm blanking on the name of the last Hunger Games. Mockingjay. Part two. Okay. (laughs) Um, What was your, uh, I guess, I know the answer, I think, but what was your favorite um, late career Philip Seymour Hoffman film?
3: I'm going to have to give it to the master. (laughs) Come on, it's the master. You are the
0: master's biggest proponent. But a lot of people like it. It's just polarizing. It's not a bad film. It's just polarizing. To no,
3: it's, just am- it's amazing. It's just <laughs> it's just like one of the most beautifully shot movies. Uh, it's the final collaboration of PTA and PSH. Uh, the the comeback for Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, amazing music. I mean, we're dealing with like you know like a cult Scientology kind of like interesting world. Um just another collaboration with Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. It it's just the master is masterful and it's just and it really I, I think it's in the top films that you really get to see in 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 a film. Like throughout his career you get to see just the range of Philip through Hoffman. That's fair. The certainly. master in a film. Shows the range of Philip Seymour Hoffman.
0: I hear you. Like what?
3: Like um, my favorite band of all time, Queen. All right, Bohemian Rhapsody. Sure, it's you know, I mean, constantly played, and I constantly always tried to make you sing it on the bus going on field trips in high school. But uh, I once heard a great you know, pretty much like almost like what i what i just said about films here often was that what most bands try to do in a whole album queen did in a song and so again i just use that to say that like the master just what you get to see in his whole career that would be in the top five films i'm like oh you want to understand this actor and what he brought to this world watch the master for sure
0: i well, yeah what about you Favorite film is tough. It's really tough.
3: I mean God I, knows there's plenty of others in Act Three that I absolutely oh, yeah, love I, I, and uh, and I just adore. let's talk
0: about his two thousand seven quick. So two thousand six Mr. Impossible Three. Oh, yeah.
3: that was like that one two three like you know. Like, yeah, he did right?
0: The Savages before the Devil Knows You're Dead and Charlie Wilson's War in the same year. Um I, I think all those films are good films. Yeah. Oh different on. Hoffman's in them. The Savages, I hadn't seen it in a while on the rewatch. I loved that film.
3: Oh yeah, I, yeah. I loved that film. No, I, I think I called it on the episode. It's like a per, it's a perfect film.
0: Yeah, yeah. Charlie Wilson's War, um again, it's not the perfect film, but he's just so amazing in it. Mm-hmm. And it's still a good film, I like it. Schenectady. Schenectady. I know. Schenectady. I was seeing if you'd get it this time. No Senecdiche. Schenectady, New York. That is truly a mind fuck masterpiece. That's the yeah. auteur auteur's film, yeah. you know. That's like a we, we I mean, that's a great episode if you guys want to listen uh, with uh, Wit Laneberger.
3: Ooh boy. Yeah. What uh, my reverence for the master is challenged by Wit's reverence for Charlie Kaufman and but if you,
0: and, and
3: yes. yeah. <laughs> But if you want to
0: talk about like seeing someone's range in a film, that you see Hoffman, that might be his biggest starring work with the master in terms of front to back. Yeah. Like, hard shit, if that makes sense. <laughs> you got Doubt. Yeah. I mean, and Doubt on this watch, to me, was much better than I originally remembered. Again, it's very play-like. It's yeah. It's very theater-like. Uh, but he he was great. And him, him and Meryl... Seeing his work and then watching that, him and Meryl Streep... That Street
3: sparring sesh go toe-to-toe is just so,
0: like, amazing. We're getting two heroes here. We got Marion Max, which was, like, his first animated work. We got his first directorial work in Jack O's Boating, which we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then we had that 2011 of two of some of my favorite films in terms of... Maybe not the best films, but just, I mean, I love Moneyball and I love Ides of March. just like my, my films that I'll watch when they're always on tv kind of thing
3: yeah but he didn't have much to do in Moneyball, and but i mean it was
0: it's it, it still i still enjoyed seeing those movies again oh yeah you know
3: yeah
0: you know what was i always asked this kyle and this was my surprise yeah i agree right with you I know late quartet
3: i can't say enough good things about that movie that's a great film it's like an I, underrated film. I watched that, and like the next, like at least like three days after I watched that, any person I spoke to, I brought up a late Like it made me want to like listen to classical music, and like it just made me go like, oh yeah, Christopher Walken is amazing. Not just like he's not just the this caricature. He's not like in this like I mean, you know, you have your actors out there that are just turned into, like, memes like your Jeff Goldblum's and your Bill Murray's and your Christopher Walken's, but, like, you watch and you're like, fuck, is he a great actor? And then just another amazing, just, uh, I mean, it's cool that they play husband and wife, but just seeing him and Catherine Keener, who is just, she is just a treasure. Yeah, I mean, that movie,
0: you can rewatch it. In terms of our podcast on it, because that's what we did on Facebook Live, mm-hmm. or you could listen to it. Definitely listen to that episode, but watch that movie. That's like a, one of the most underrated Philip Seymour Hoffman films. Definitely, I, you know I love this dialogue because this is what inspired us. Besides all the other Cage Club Me network shows having award shows, this is what inspired us to kind of do an awards thing because it's up for debate. Some of these like great Hoffman films on the people he worked with.
3: Yeah, I mean, just saying Catherine Keener, I'm just like, but then I'm like, oh crap, Meryl Streep, oh crap, Amy Adams, like who, who, you know, who was he? You know, like if you if you had to choose, like you know, what were what were you know his like favorite like just even female collaborator? You know, he definitely he seemed to work and share more scenes with you know re collaborate with women.
0: That yes, was- for sure. If you are good listeners, you've already voted. But guess what? Happy day. You can vote again. You can vote as many times as you want.
3: Oh, happy day.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to right now, Kyle, feel free to comment wherever you'd like, but don't tip your hand on who you voted for.
3: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I'm going to run down right now the nominees for our Hoffee Awards, which again will be announced at our live event at Gold Sounds in Brooklyn, Saturday, April 21st at 2 p.m. Be there. Also, the episode will be released on that the following, following Wednesday, Wednesday, if you can't make it. But, but, but Saturday, please make it. We want to hear from 24.
3: you. 25th. 25th. April One lucky 25th.
0: fan will get an autographed shirt off Kyle's back. I'm joking. What? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to see what we can entice people to to yeah. go. You know? No? You'll get to meet us. But we want people to go to the show, Kyle. Not, oh, yeah. Just, wah, wah. Okay. <laughs> okay, right off the bat, the first thing we ask is, favorite Hoffman film? And we have Capote, Doubt, The Master, Boogie Nights, The Big Lebowski, Almost Famous, The in New York, Charlie Wilson's War, Moneyball, and Along Came Polly.
3: Ooh, those were some good movies. But there's and, some and, of
0: the other movies, too, Dad. And, that's, and Along Came Polly, definitely, that was a Kyle pick that needed to be added there. Well, Not that I disagree. Not that I disagree. All right. Yeah, well. <laughs> but this, just want to be clear, this category is not necessarily... His best film—it's just the best film you think he was in. Yes. We have best best catchphrase. That's going to be fun. A lot of fun ones in that one. We have best film moment, and that's you know it's pretty simple. Best yeah. moment he had in a film, not just a moment in general. Best freakout, which kind of overlaps with Ooh. film moment, but yeah, sometimes but, it doesn't.
3: Yeah, but he was had some premium freakouts. And you mentioned,
0: like, uh, the actresses he worked with. Best female co-star, and that's specifically in one film. Mm. Not, like, collaborative ah, over film. Okay. So that's Jennifer Lawrence in Hunger Games Catching Fire. I picked Catching Fire because that was my favorite one. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Of the one that he's... She, uh, that is my favorite one. Meryl Streep in Doubt, Julia Roberts in Charlie Wilson's War, Laura Linney in The Savages, Amy Adams in The Master, Catherine Keener in Capote, and Julianne Moore in Boogie Nights. Mm. That's a tough category, I think. That's, That's a, a tough t- category.
3: I know who I voted for, though, but I won't say it.
0: <laughs> Best male co-star is Al Pacino, Scent of a Woman. Wow. Robert De Niro, Flawless.
3: Crawfish Daddy Al Pacino.
0: <laughs> Paul Newman, Nobody's Fool. Tom Cruise, Ancient Impossible 3. Joaquin Phoenix, The Master. Brad Pitt, Moneyball. Tom Hanks, Charlie Wilson's War. And Ryan Gosling, Eye of Mar- we threw that in for our Gosling, Daddy uh, Gosling, <laughs> Daddy boyfriend material that which you can listen to on yeah. dot Me,
3: that's Dot Emmy. Now, now I'll, I'll go
0: over this one. I'm not going to go over the guy one right now, but favorite Hoffman collaborator actress. Now this is different from. The other category is more like the Oscars, one film. Yes. This is a category of who collaborated with him best personally. Yeah, you know, like it, a little
3: toe-to-toe in a
0: scene. Toe-to-toe in a scene and, and overall bodies of work. Nice. So you have Julianne Moore in Boogie Nights, Big Lebowski, Magnolia, and all the Hunger Games films. Catherine Keener in Capote's Connected to New York and the late Quartet. Amy Adams is the master. Charlie Wilson's War in Doubt. Amy Ryan And Capote before the devil knows you're dead, and Jack goes boating, and Jennifer Lawrence in All the Hunger Games.
3: I think you're saying it wrong, too. You're saying Skenectady.
0: Yeah, no, I did. That's why I said, ugh. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because I messed it up. (laughs) You know what movie I'm talking about. Sinek. It's (laughs) Sinek.
1: You got me. You got me.
0: You got me.
3: Yay! So we
0: have that category for male actors as well. We have favorite Hoffman collaborator as a director. Some. Interesting names there. Obviously, P.T. Anderson, but you get Francis Lawrence who did all the Hunger Games films with him. Yeah, and you have a you know you have a Charlie Kaufman though they'd only did one film. It was a lot of work, and some others there too. And even a, even a Philip Seymour Hoffman gets a nom for his own category. <laughs> <laughs> working with himself. That's Favorite cool. comedic performance: some good ones there for sure. Favorite supporting performance: mm-hmm. so that's Hoffman in a supporting role. Favorite lead performance: that's kind of obvious. Hoffman in a lead role. Favorite character, and that's just like, not necessarily his best performance, but you just love the character he helped create. Good ones there. You got Scotty J, Lancaster Dodd, Owen Davian, Gust, Sandy Lyle, Brandt, you know. Good category there. Most wasted Hoffman performance. I'm curious to see what people say for that one. Favorite Hoffman archetype. So that we
3: have spent time trying to figure out, like, really, like, yeah, down, break like, his career. Yeah, br- yeah, yeah, like, what what falls because you know some like kind of cr- characters cross into. Definitely, there's some yeah. you could put into.
0: Uh, there should be some debate here in terms yeah. of if that's a buddy or if it's a mentor. But but the archetypes are political insider, best buddy, rich slash popular slash weasel, <laughs> uh, villain, broken man, social outcast. Oh, and mentor. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Curious to see what we see there. This is a Kyle favorite, this category, the next one. Favorite Hoffman mustache. Yes. You kind of have to see the picture. I, I was
3: just like, we had to. Come on. <laughs> he plays some roles with some mustaches, so you know what?
0: Definitely check that one out. That's yeah. more of a picture category than a... Yeah. Uh, favorite Hoffman voice and accent. That's one of my favorite categories, because you have Gunther Buckman. Yeah. A Most Wanted Man. Max from Marion Max. Oh. Ru- <laughs> Rusty from Flawless. Well, that. <laughs> come on, Truman Capote from Capote. I
3: just wanted Dan that's <not> Adam Sandler. <laughs> Dan Mahoney from
0: from owning Mahoney. Oh, it's a boot time. <laughs> and Lancaster Dodd from the Master.
3: Not animals. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Most obscure film role. That's going to be interesting.
3: I I don't want to
0: tip my hand on this one, but there's one to me that's pretty obvious. So won't mention it now, but definitely look it up and. We might talk about it more next week So Kyle, looks like uh, the phones are lighting up I think we're going to get our wish
3: We got the two founding fathers here with us One last time, before the live event that is
0: Hopefully, hopefully So, Michael Manzi, Joey Lewandowski Welcome, how are you guys doing? Hi guys How's the, guys.
3: How's the peeping? Oh, there we go, you snuck it in Had to. Had to remember <laughs> You'll have to vote, because I think that line is a... Is a, uh, a, a oh, it is, a and is. oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, secrets, secrets. You can't... Don't reveal yet. Um, secrets. Secrets. Thank you guys for taking the time to uh, speak with us. And, obvious, and, obvi- and let me just say it. Thanks for letting us become part of the Cage Club Network family.
2: I'm just surprised that you guys haven't been canceled yet. (laughs) (laughs) Don't cancel us now. That would be very, very very disappointing. (laughs) I mean, at least we got all the movies in.
3: Yeah, that's true. We got all of his work in. But, um, yeah, no, it's, I mean both Joey and Mike we we went to Ramapo together Mike I only knew you from Ramapo but obviously Joey I've gotten to know you and again just uh, this was Brian and I it was just we, we always talked movies and we always loved Philip Seymour Hoffman and I knew you guys were doing a Nicolas Cage uh, podcast and then moved on to Keanu, and since then, it's just, I mean, the network's exploded, and there's so many, Again, I always needed, like, a new count, how, how many uh, podcasts are on the network now? I want to
2: say it's 17?
3: Yeah. Phew. Yeah, that crazy. Sounds about right. And so, yeah, I mean... That's, like, Bravo level <laughs> of, of, of shows. Yes, yeah, so all you Hoff fans out there, our show might be ending, and Brian and I have some stuff in the works. But there are so many other great, great, great podcasts on the network, on the cage, from the Cage Club family, from these two guys, and from other people as well that you should all be listening to. Besides our delightful P.S. I Love Hoffman. So we're we're gonna
0: keep it short with you guys because we're hoping to get you in on our live show in two weeks. But I just. My question to both of you is, with the whole P.S. I Love Hoffman and Hoffman films in general, I guess, what's your biggest surprise from not just the third act, but like the
2: entire, I guess, catalog? Hmm. I'm surprised at how long it took him to become a leading man. And I guess even like really... Even to the end, he wasn't always leaving, man. I mean, we. I think we've talked about this either when Mike was on with me or just maybe just me on previous recaps, but, you know, you guys took months and months to, like, basically get to a point where he was a leading man, whereas with Cage, you know, he was basically the star from the beginning. With Charlize, she was the star, or she's like the female lead, at least, from like the third movie or something. Mm-hmm. So, and Keanu was sort of in between somewhere. But it's it just surprised me, because you think of him as this prolific character actor, and I guess that's sort of where he falls... But it was just surprising to me how, like, how many episodes, because I I listened to them all, I didn't watch all the movies, but how many episodes you guys talked about how, like, he wasn't really in the movie. He was in a scene, or he was in a couple scenes, or whatever. So I think I was sort of surprised at sort of how acclaimed he is, based on how little he's in a lot of movies.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely, like, something we noticed, too. It's, he always makes an impact. Well, except for like again three or four roles where he just literally has like two lines or something. But he he always makes an impact. But that's definitely true. And it's funny because even in this third act of his career, he he has the power to be a leading man, and he is a leading man. And I would say most of the films, Kyle, right, in the third act, or at least at least half. But there are definitely some that he's just part of the ensemble though. Yeah, I mean films being
3: a p- part of the example. ensemble or for in, for in in the case of Joey the last like you know solo film he covered I mean afterwards and then he was on with Mike but Moneyball that's a very small part and you know I mean I th- I think he did a good job. There's obviously there's the whole thing we won't get into it. Listen to that episode if you want to hear about it, but like Art Howe like didn't think that p- you know PSH portrayed him well. But again, that's not like he was just doing his own version of him, but, uh, I mean, he was still good in the movie, but yeah, it, that was just, I think, a moment of re-teaming with a friend of his, uh, you know, director Bennett Miller, and, you know, being part of a fun production, but that's the Jonah Hill, Brad Pitt show, that movie.
0: For sure, for sure.
1: So, Mike, um, what, about, yeah. what about you? Yeah, what about you, Mike? Um, well, I guess first and foremost, the, the one thing that stuck out to me the most about Like everything, just in general, um, is that you got Amos Poe on. Like you had a director who directed Hoffman, who made like an actual feature film and had, like, a great conversation with him. Like, uh, yeah. that blew so my mind. My mo- that's just one of my happier...
3: That's just one of the happier moments of my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, like, one... I think that's, like, that's up there with, like, the Marco episode that Joey and I did with the network, you know? Like, that's one of our... I feel like that's, like, a prestige episode because... Oh, like, yeah, that's a great
3: episode. Because of Amos, know? Oh, yeah, definitely. you know? Like,
1: like, that was great. I loved... I loved that you guys managed to pull that off. I don't know how you pulled that off, but... But bravo. Uh, that... that uh, is all I needed to say to Joey. If you want to fire him, it's up to you. But as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, we can keep him. Uh, so that's first and foremost. And then, other otherwise, like something weird that I noticed. Like you know, he Joey nailed it when he said he's a character actor, and it's weird. I never actually thought of him that way because I've just always been like. I don't know, like magically drawn to him and his presence and his performance. I mean, much in the way, I guess, that um, uh, and, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson talks about just being like, I need this guy in my life or something. Like, I feel like he's, he's just got that quality about him as a person. Like, uh, you know, you can't really make these movies he's in without him. Uh, his presence and everything uh, but it's it's kind of weird how like he started with these Indies mixed with like these blockbusters and he kind of crested to being like the stars the starring role character sort of like in his middle the middle of his career and then he kind of ended with these Indies and these blockbusters, so I thought that was kind of like an interesting trend going on with his choices there. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, of course he didn't. He didn't know it was his ending. No, of, of course, course, of course. No, but, but just the way that he picked projects, he was always, you know, um, like doing both. You know, and then you talked a lot about his theater work, but it's always like he. It, it never occurred to me how much he spread himself out across the, mm-hmm. across genre films like that before,
3: right? Yeah, I, ju- I, just, I just counted. And as far as the films that we considered, Act 3, so again, that's from Mission Impossible to uh, Mocking J Part 2, that's 19 films, and wow. 10 of those, uh, he is the lead. And then you have a movie like, uh, for instance... Uh, Charlie Wilson's War where he's one Mm -hmm. of the leads but I'm considered that uh, he's a lead in the movie so you have movies like that but then you have small movies like you know then you even get I mean a a cameo in Invention of Lying but then Pirate Radio where he's part of an ensemble or the Ides of March where he's you know part of this like kind of trio I think between the Ryan Gosling, George Clooney, and mm. himself.
1: Yeah, and I think but, uh, I think the pair like the, if you contrast the episodes Joey and I were on together, you know, you have The Devil Knows You're Dead, where he was one of the two leads, I'd say, with Ethan Hawke, and then you have God's Pocket, where then he falls back into sort of this ensemble cast, like you're talking about now. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of interesting too, and also the whole God Devil um, in the titles <laughs> there. I just like I know it didn't occur to me, but that was cool too. Awesome. Well,
0: so we want to save some other questions for our live show. So, I guess on that note, what's cool on Cage Club? What (laughs) plug
1: away (laughs) isn't (laughs) no. (laughs) Uh,
2: I don't even know where to begin with that question. That's a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities. So, I will hint that for the live event, I may have two co-hosts in attendance potentially. Nice potentially. So maybe we'll have a real sort of gathering of the minds. We this this episode comes out when this Wednesday? Correct. Yep. So also today came out. Oh, this is the, this is what I want to plug. <laughs> so today we made a very special decision that you may have you may or may not know that someone on our network, someone that we cover, recently went through a major life change. Channing Tatum announced that he's separating from his wife Jenna Dewan. I did not. And so pick up on that. Oh, we. No moved the Step Up film up two months, and we covered Step Up today, that is now available to listen. The movie that they met on, the movie that they presumably fell in love while making, their chemistry is undeniable... In the movie. So we cut, we moved that up to today. So it's a very special episode of Magic Mike's. So oh. if you want to see basically the opposite actor from Philip Seymour Hoffman in Shannon Tatum, <laughs> go check that out. Uh, it's our fifth episode, I think. Wait, what? Uh, yeah, fifth episode. So go check that out. And then we also have, you know, Gosling and Too Fast Too Forever and Zack Attack with Joe 2. And then over with Mike, we're still plugging away on Charlize. What episode of Charlize we have coming out this week, Mike?
1: I am not oh, prepared you could, for uh, this. Oh, <laughs> Friday's Italian episode. Job. Wait, but tell them about last Friday's episode. The oh, you, con- you you go ahead. You tell them about last Friday's the- episode because this is. <laughs> I, w- I want the, I want your apology tour to continue. Yeah, well, it's all, it's gonna keep going. You know, it's 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 now left the the Theron and it has come over to the Hoffman. Uh, but you can hear me lose my cool. Should I say that? My mind? I don't know. I really lost it on last Friday's episode of Watch the Throne, where we talk about waking up in Reno. Um, I was just... <laughs> A movie that I genuinely loved. And, and, and it's perfectly fine. Like, it's charming. You know, It's it did not deserve the browbeating that i gave it but boy did i go to town on that movie so if you want to if you want to hear if you want to hear a very out of character version of me go check that out and uh, i definitely do i wish i I saved some of that energy for the italian job (laughs) (laughs) all right right, um And then also, so next month on uh, on Third Times a Charm, you guys are the guests. So check out that episode when it comes on, and um, yeah, that's the Rocky Three episode. So and that's your first episode with three guests, right? So that's truly a magic. That's right.
2: Or uh-huh. not three guests, well, three people. Three people, three people,
1: Episode three, Rocky three. So
0: check that out. So there, yeah. So there you go. A lot of threes. Yeah. Numbers are lined up. So there you
3: go, Haw fans. If you haven't gotten enough of us yet, on uh, May third. Besides, you should be listening to all these podcasts. Uh, definitely tune in for that one where Brian and I guest on Third Times a Charm for Rocky 3 where I think it's all safe to say that we all love that movie in
0: mm. its
1: own special way. That that was one of the most intense podcasts I've ever <laughs> Dude Brian ever tune in for recorded. Brian seriously started a wrestling podcast in the middle of that episode which was <laughs> incredible.
2: Oh, there there is actually talk Jordan of wistful thinking Jordan Paul, and Clark has t- told me that she wants to start a wrestling podcast, so that might happen on the network. I
1: know that social media supervisor Dan Colon is a huge wrestling fan, and I...
2: I, Oh, no, we realize that we have so many people in the network (laughs) and guests and everything. Yeah. Like, Joe, too, likes wrestling. Holly Gore loves wrestling, who's not a host, but she will be uh, sort of a co-host on Cinemakers Down the Road. Uh, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm, like, the only person in the entire community that we have that does not watch wrestling. Like, I think everybody else, in some way or another, Brian and, and I even so I watched think... WrestleMania. That was, I mean, Brian knows. Okay, yeah, we were at, at a WrestleMania party.
0: Maybe. Yeah, Re- Cage Club Wrestling Roundtable. I need to guess on this. The turnbuckle? My, aud- I mean, what- <laughs> <laughs> My audition tape, like you said, Mansi, is that Rocky Three episode. Yep. Because I go really in-depth into the Thunder Lips. Yeah,
1: and I allow so- it, too. I want it, so I let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in, it's good. Well,
0: yes, definitely. Th- thanks, guys, for coming on. Hope to hear from you in two weeks. Really excited about
3: that. Yes, definitely. Looking forward to you guys... Uh- being on the live stay uncool oh I'm sorry oh, I jumped there the gun we go. there <laughs> 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 no yeah thank you I know Joey won't say it but uh, I won't I
2: had to Mike I don't know if you heard it but I had to on the Moneyball episode and it didn't feel right well then I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll just say it again
1: properly guys stay uncool we'll thanks stay but un- guys uncool. don't yeah. tune out of the episode it's not
2: over yet but thank you for the uh, wait you're
1: not closing with us <laughs> are we opening are we the opening
2: act no, we're not the opening act, because they said they, pre- they teed up something in the previous segment. You're jamming us in the middle? Dude, we're headliners, guys. No. <laughs> I'm giving you guys one more episode after this, and then you're done. <laughs> no, we need to... We have to stuff our promos at the okay, end. Okay,
0: so as long as you're just wrapping shit up, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Podcast 101.
2: Jesus. Okay. 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 okay.
0: Yeah. You're, you're like the end of the 90s sitcom... Then we run some, you know, commercials, and then there's like a post credit, like a like, kicker. Right? Right? Okay, oh, okay, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, that's
3: so. so don't worry, don't worry. Nothing crazy, nothing crazy.
0: <laughs> uh, thanks again, guys. Yep. All right. Um, so we set. We thought like maybe we'd skip a week. We thought maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? What did? What did Daddy Kyle decide?
3: I think we'll have you know it won't be a, a long episode by any means, but we'll just put together some you know uh, us talking in between, but just play some of our uh, like clips from other episodes, like our, our you know like a handful of our favorite episodes we've done. Yeah, and whether that's just an episode that was just the two of us, or we've we've just had such I, this is uh, this is a perfect time to, and we'll say it again on next episode, we'll say it at the live event, but just everyone that guested on our podcast like th- thank you so much this was, was such a treat like i mean it's one thing you know we're we're doing this this is a passion project but for all of you to you know take the time and uh Help us, but obviously show your appreciation or newfound love for Phillips and Hoffman. Because again, that's that's the ultimate. It's two friends that just always talked movies and talked about Phillips and Hoffman, and we were like, well, you know, and we knew we knew some f- friends that were uh, doing a podcast, and so we decided, yeah, we might as well do one ourselves. But if if there was ever any mission statement, it's that of just celebrating and bringing. Just reminding people or, uh, or you know, j- j- introducing people just like this amazing career.
0: Yeah, we don't want people who just get into films now, young people, to not remember the career of Philip Sumer Hoffman or not yeah. be aware of it. Um, it's super important to us. And it just, honestly, it's been a blast. But just to echo your sentiment on the guests, um, just for making the time to...
3: yeah. Some were friends. Some were, you know, people we just re- strangers we reached out to.
0: Just and all of them pretty much had an appreciation and love for Philip Sumerhoffman's work. Yeah. Uh, and you'll hear from some of those guests at the live event, and also in next week's clip show. I always, I always like. So as a kid, I always loved clip shows, like because this is before the era of like DVD and Netflix. Because yeah. it's like I realize like rewatching a show like Friends or Frasier. Now, Frasier didn't really do many clip shows, but Friends. Yeah. That a lot of the funny moments I remember were not actually from the episodes themselves, but were from the clip shows. How so? So the, the original function of clip shows used to be, like, to... For, like catch for, you like, up. Ca- okay. Yeah, bring you up to speed or be like, Oh, I care about these two characters getting married now. Yeah. This is kind of their history. we're uh, like... Yeah. This, guy, this character is a funny character. These are all a silly moments. Yeah. That was the original point, but like they're not functional anymore. Next week's functional, guys, listen. But like, in terms of like TV, they're not as functional anymore because people just binge watch and you could watch other things and they kind of seem... Yeah. When you're binge watching an old series and there's a clip show, you're like, what the hell? I just I just saw all this yeah. stuff. But at the time, it was... I mean, th- that's like their YouTube at the time, you know? Yeah. That's, but we want to... Because, uh, look, the same thing with the guests... We thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us. We know you have a lot of choices in podcasts. And,
3: oh, there's just so many choices. And there's
0: a so lot of you know things to do. And it's not always easy listening to us, and sometimes our, our shows run long. We understand that. Um, but thank you for listening. And next week is in the old vein of clip shows. We understand you might not have listened to every episode. Shame on you. But <laughs> you, you might not have listened to every other episode. But it's some of our favorite highlights and best moments to yeah. just maybe catch you up. And maybe, who knows, maybe you'll go back and listen to it. There's so many moments I forgot on this show because, you know, we, we move on with our lives. But I, I can't wait to revisit that next week. And especially, I can't wait to meet some of you guys and, and celebrate his career. Go out with a nice bang in two weeks at Gold Sounds in Brooklyn.
3: I, am, I cannot wait for that.
0: So, Kyle, for one of the last times do the honors tell our guests what they can do
3: you guys just always stay uncool don't you know don't be cool <laughs> don't be cool stay uncool stay uncool where did you come from
1: baby how did you know i needed you how did you know i needed you so So thank you.